Romans 1, 1 through 17. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God, through Jesus Christ, for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I might reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Well, good morning. Hey, everybody. Welcome to ICC. If you're new this morning, special welcome to you. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and we are so, so glad to have you with us this morning. Are you stoked? I'm stoked. Uh, Let me tell you why. Because today we are beginning a new series called Foundations. And we are beginning this series. It is a uh, 16-week series in the book of Romans. And so we are going to be there this morning. And I hope you are so, so, so excited. Because I want to tell you, I am thrilled. I have um, for years, ever since the Lord was gracious and kind enough to call me into ministry dreamed about the day that I would have opportunity to teach through the book of Romans. Uh, And I, today, I I said to Robbie this morning, I was like, I came in to my office and I went back and I started prayer preparation and it just hit me like, today's the day that we get to start the journey through the book of Romans. And I came back in here and Robbie was getting ready too. And I was like, Robbie, today's the day. And I, yeah, I did a little happy dance. But anyway, seriously, guys, I am so, so, so 
excited about our journey um, in the next weeks through this book. I don't know if you've ever studied the book of Romans. Uh, By the way, if you have your Bible this morning, it'd be great. You could go ahead and get it out. Um, Go ahead and get your guide out too. I'll talk about that in just a second, but uh, you can go ahead and turn open to the book of Romans. Romans is sandwiched kind of neatly in the New Testament right after the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then there's Acts, which is the continued work of the narrative of Jesus' work in the church, first in his life and ministry, and then uh, through the apostles and the early church. Uh, And then right after Acts, Romans. You can go ahead and get there. I don't know if you've ever studied the book of Romans, but... um, I want to tell you, it is a uh, jewel in our Bible, in God's Word to us, and in our faith. I'll never forget, um, and I mentioned something similar in the opening letter, which you have at the, in the back cover of your, your, I mean, the front cover of your guide. But um, I'll never forget when I found, when I really discovered Romans in my little college Bible. Anybody ever have a little college Bible? <laughs> You know, that Bible that's like ratty, tatty, and you take it everywhere. Um, I will never forget when I discovered the book of Romans. What I mean is, I mean, I knew the book of Romans. I mean, I could, I knew verses from it. I, not, not all of us grew up in church. I did grow up in church. Um, I had heard verses from it, and I had, ser- had heard sermons preached from it. But um, you know how you, you drive by things all the time, and you don't really know what's inside, but yet you're familiar with it, and you think you know what's inside? <laughs> It was like that with the book of Romans for me, because though I was familiar with it, I had never really personally discovered it. And I will never forget the season of my life when God wrecked me, things began to fall apart and things that I had hoped in, things that I had found joy in, things that I had put my identity in, uh, it began to unravel in my life. That's a whole other story, not for today. But some of us have been in times like that. Some of us feel like we're in times like right now where you're just searching, groping for answers and needing hope. I will never forget when I discovered the book of Romans. I really like to say the book of Romans discovered me. Uh, I could not put it down. It wasn't a sermon series that I heard. It was actually going to the book of Romans itself, spending time in it. And I was like, it was like reading it for the first time. And I really was really reading it for the first time, seeking God and letting God speak to me. And it changed my life, guys. I'm telling you, this book, what God spoke to me through this book, and of course through the whole scripture, but this book has a special place in my life because God radically changed me, my heart and my life. I today am a different man because of what God showed me through his word in this book that we call Romans. And to this day, it is still so precious to me. I go to the book of Romans maybe more than any other book in the New Testament. I go to it again and again to find hope, to find peace, to find joy, to find purpose. This book is precious to me and I want it to be precious to you. I I believe that it will be. I believe that if you're serious about studying God's word, and this is my encouragement to you, if you're seeking today, if you're a Christian today, no matter if you're a young Christian, old Christian, whoever you are, be serious about seeking God. You should want to seek God and be serious about seeking him in his word. It's in his word that we find him. But if you want to journey through this book with seriously, to discover what God has for you, with a heart that's yielded to him, I promise you, God is going to do radical, transformative things in your heart and in your life. And I am so excited about it. It's not just me. I like biographies. Anybody like biographies? Come on, come on, don't be scared. We're nerds, it's cool. Um, 
I like biographies. And if you look at biographies of people in the Christian faith, I could list names and I won't do it this morning, but if you look at biographies of many people who you're familiar with, historical figures that are we consider greats in the Christian faith, many of these biographies begin by saying that they encountered God. God grabbed hold of their heart and life through the book of Romans. Uh, one guy, May 24th, 1738, uh, just very discouraged missionary, unwillingly went to a worship service in London and there a miracle took place in his journal. He said about a quarter before nine, I felt my heart strangely warm. Suddenly felt, I did trust Christ. Suddenly faith in his heart, I did trust Christ. Christ alone for salvation. And assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. That little discouraged missionary was John Wesley. Many of you guys know John Wesley. You've heard of him um, and the revivals that took place here in this country that were a byproduct of that. Before in his life, he had written with discouragement that he had been sent to evangelize, to convert the American Indians, but wondered who would ever convert him. And on this night, 1738, he found the answer. God radically changed his life. And many of us are a product of his salvation and the evangelization that went forward from there. What I'm trying to say, guys, is this. This book is awesome. All right, just look at your neighbor and say, Romans is awesome. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Some of you really meant that. Some of you didn't. But. I want you to get a hold of it, that it is a wonderful book, and I'm so excited to begin studying it today. You might, you think, and I will give you this. It's a little bit daunting when you start reading Romans. It's long, relatively long. The arguments can sometimes be complex. His sentences can sometimes be longer than my sermons, which says a lot. Um, you know, it can be weighty, but let me tell you why, and I think it's going to be here on the screen. Why Romans? Here's why. Because clearly and beautifully, and I want you to write this down in your guides. Page, I think it's four of your guides is where we're going to be today. There's space there for you to begin writing notes today. If you don't have a guide, you could get one after worship today. You just make notes in your phone or on a piece of paper, whatever it is. But I, I do hope that you use the guides. We'll talk about that in a second. But clearly and beautifully in the book of Romans, perhaps more than any other book that I can find in scripture. And I'm not trying to say there's some parts that are more inspired than others. I'm just saying that God has worked in a mighty way and in a concise way, clearly and beautifully in the book of Romans. God lays out for us the solid foundation. Hint, 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 why we call this series Foundations. God lays out the solid foundation. That Jesus has perfectly laid, not that you provide for yourself, but that Jesus has provided for you. The solid foundation that Jesus has perfectly provided for us, laid down for us. You know, if you build a house, the foundation is the most important part. The foundation crumbles, everything else crumbles. We've got to be, have a foundation in our hearts and in our lives and in our faith. In the book of Romans, Paul clearly, beautifully lays out this foundation, the foundation that Jesus has perfectly provided for us to build our faith upon and to build our lives upon. This is why Romans. And I want you to be excited. I mean, really, in your heart, I want you to be eager and excited. 
Now, the second question that you might ask, this is all just, you know, today is meant to be an introduction and we're going to start in the first 16 verses. But the second question as an intro question is this, you know, why now? I try to answer the question, why Romans? But why now? Um, For some time, I told you that I've been wanting to, to teach this and I haven't felt like it was right. And when it was time to be planning for the next series, uh, couple of months ago, I began to pray through what is it that we together need, God? What, where, where do we need to be? Because I really believe God, even though we could turn to any scripture any week and hear from God, God does want us in certain places at certain times. And I mean, this, this is a hefty study. Why now? There's a couple of reasons that I really believe that God led me and us to this book at this point in our season together and for you at this point in your life. And they're up on the screen. I want you to write them down and pay attention as I go through them. Number one, Romans, it's all about the gospel, but we need, first of all, solid gospel foundation. In our lives, I need you to realize that your life has to be founded upon something and it is designed to be founded upon the gospel. And if you don't know the gospel, not just some trite little thing or, oh yeah, I think this is what it is. No, if you don't know the fullness, the richness, the truth of the gospel, what God has done for us, then you have, no, you have a crumbling foundation in your life. What are you gonna build your faith on? What are you gonna build your life on? You've got to have this as a solid foundation in your heart and life. And so one of the aims of this, why now, is I want God to lay that foundation in your heart and life. I want it to be concrete, that is sturdy, that the rest of your life you can build your faith on it. The rest of your life you can build your hopes on it, your joys on it, your purpose on it. You need, we need a solid gospel foundation, first of all. Second of all, we need this. We need a sweet gospel adoration. Not, our faith is not just something that we understand in our head but that somehow separated from the rest of our life that we don't love no those who know God love God if you today can't say I love an emotive word a real thing going on in your heart not your head I love God I love him He is wonderful. He is the best. I can't get over him. I really love God. Just as you would enter any love relationship in this world with a parent, with a spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend. By the way, if you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, be careful about the love word. Make sure it's real. Um, Children, whatever love relationship we have, we should have a love relationship with God. Jesus said we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love And we need a sweet gospel adoration, not just to understand it intellectually, but to love it with our heart. And I really believe you're serious about journeying through this book of Romans, that at the end of it, you will say, I cannot believe what God has done for me in Jesus. And it is the best thing to me. I love the truth of the gospel. I love it. I love it. If it weren't true, I would have nothing. That's the second reason, is I want to see you not only have a solid foundation, but I want to see you have an adoration for this in your heart. And for some of you, it might be the first time that you could say that. Third, I think we need a sure, a sure gospel transformation. The gospel is not just something that saves us, but it's something that transforms us. It changes everything about us. 
those who know Christ in a genuine and personal way from the point that you come into a relationship with him, everything about your life looks differently and you view everything differently because the Bible says we become new creations in Christ. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but Christ makes us alive in him. And alive people act different than dead people. People who have an active living relationship with God act different than people who just kind of casually like, yeah, whatever. People who are indwelt by the spirit of God are different than people who are not. People who know the gospel and the way, what God is doing in the world are different than people who don't and just don't care. The gospel not only saves us, but transforms us and you need that. You need to be assured of that. And the reason I say sure is because the Bible says if you haven't experienced this transformation, if your tree is not yielding fruit, then it shows that the root of your heart has not truly been saved. You need a sure gospel transformation. Finally, we need a sacrificial gospel motivation. Do you like how everything, you know, is S right there? It's pretty nice, isn't it? Um, We need a sacrificial gospel motivation. One of the things that Paul does in the book of Romans is this. He He helps us to see that the gospel is not only for us, but it's for everyone. We'll look at that this morning as we turn to our first verses in Romans. But what he says is that our lives should be propelled, moved, pushed out by the gospel. That the gospel should motivate us to live selflessly and sacrificially toward a world who is desperate in need. The gospel changes ourselves from being the center of our lives to God being the center of our life. And when God is centered our life, we begin to live differently. And it's the best because it's the way God has designed for us to live. You need, okay? I'm not talking just to the general people. I'm talking to you this morning. You need these things. You need a a solid gospel foundation. Maybe you could just pray that as I'm talking about this, God, make this true in my heart. You need a solid gospel foundation. You need this morning, I'm talking to you, you need a sweet gospel adoration. You need sure gospel transformation. And you need this morning sacrificial gospel motivation. So why now? Well, because now is the time for all of these things. And I don't want you to miss it. God's gonna radically change your life, I really believe it. The question is, you're gonna let him. This is why we're in Romans. The third question that I wanna answer in terms of introduction is this. So we've answered why Romans, we've answered why now. The third question I wanna answer is, so how? (laughs) So how are we gonna do this? And there's three words that I wanna point you to, and they're these on the screen. Systematically, transformationally. If transformationally was a word, that's what I would use. Transformation is a word, so I just added the L-Y. Um, but transformationally, and then personally. Um, Everybody has heard us talk about these guides. (laughs) If you've got your guide, I want to point your attention to it real quick, and if you don't have it, you can just look up here at mine. We have organized these guides not just so that we can have something cool to put out there and, and be that, you know, super cool and look at us, wow, this is neat, you put on your, that's not why we did this. We did this because our approach to this book, we believed 
needed this God to help. What the God does is it helps us in these three ways. Systematically, first of all, this is this book, more than maybe any other book in the in the New Testament, is very organized. It has a beginning point and Paul moves to an end point. And it's very structured. It's very logical. Each thought is built upon the preceding thought. One of the things you need to get a hold of in the book of Romans, if you look at your first page, is this outline. You need to see a holistic view of the book. You need to understand from start to finish the organization of Paul's thoughts and logic and what God gives to us in the book of Romans. And you need to see it as a whole. So that as we go through each individual piece, you can connect that piece to the bigger picture of what he's doing in the book. One of the reasons that we did this guide was because it gives you that opportunity. And then week to week, it gives you opportunity to write, to journal, to pray through each individual piece. So systematically is important. The movement is important for you to see it start to finish. Second, transformationally. You'll notice if you go to page five, and it's like this for every week, there's pages in here, not only to write sermon notes, but there's pages for small group. One of the things that I, want to, I just want to tell you, I, I fundamentally believe this, is that you've got to work the word out every week. It is not enough for you to come into church week in, week out and hear God's word, but yet not live in it, not act on it, not do anything about it. If you're not seeing change in your life from the things that you hear from God's word, then what the Bible says is you're hearing in vain because God's word is not to be meant to be just something that you get educated by. No, it's meant to be something that changes your life as you learn to live in relationship with God. We as Westerners love education, right? I mean, how many degrees do most of you have? Probably more than you need, all right? Um, we love education. We love learning. But it's not enough to be just a learner. We've got to be a doer. And what we believe is that it's not enough just for you to sit here on Sundays, but you need to be involved in a group where you learn to live this out on a week-to-week basis, asking the question, how does God's word change me? What does he want me to know? What does he want me to believe? What does he want me to do? How does he want me to live? Can you pray for me in this? Can you help me understand where this intersects my life? And for us, what we believe is everybody needs to have a Christian community of people that knows them and you know them and you're praying for each other. That happens for us in small groups. So we're gonna walk through this, not just on Sundays, but transformationally, and that happens in small groups. And I want you to get involved in one. Shameless plug. Third and finally, if you go to page six and seven, you can see a similar pattern that's gonna happen week to week. We've talked about systematically, we've talked about transformationally, but third, this needs to happen personally. One of the things that we have done for you, you can write a thank you note later, is we believe that it is so important that you spend time in the book of Romans personally not just on Sundays and in small group, but you're spending time with God every day in his word. Praying through, God, speak to me. God, I want to know you. God, I want to live in relationship with you. I want to live a life that pleases you. I want, God, I want this to be real to me. That happens personally. Nobody can do that for you. You've got to seek God yourself. What we've done in every single week through this series is provided a daily scripture reading guide for you. It allows you to walk through the passage of each week on a day-by-day day, day basis. Sometimes it's a single verse, sometimes it's a chunk of verses, and there's an organization to how we've done it. But if you go and spend time with God's word, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, the more time, the better. But again, it's not quantity, it's quality. 
Spend time with God every day in his word. Let God in a personal way speak to you and change you. We've also provided scripture memory. Scripture memory is a wonderful tool. I'm not, you know, I always say this. It's hard to cook if you ain't got nothing in the pantry. It's hard to cook if you don't have anything in the pantry. God's word is meant to be a help to us, but it's hard for it to be a help to us if we don't know God's word. So what we've done on a weekly basis is provided a central scripture memory verse and also some additional ones for you eager, ambitious types. (laughs) So that if you memorize these scriptures, we believe that you can memorize the central thoughts of each argument in the book of Romans, these precious truths that we need to know, to believe, and to live. And then on the right side of each of this page, you've got space to journal and to pray. From a personal standpoint, I'll just say this, and then we're going to move into our passage for this morning, which is short. But from a personal standpoint, I'll tell you this. It was not sermon series that changed my life in the book of Romans. It was me turning open God's word every day, seeking to know God better, wanting for, for maybe the first real time in my life in that season, wanting so much to know God and to have a relationship with him. It was that that changed my life. God wants to speak to you in the book of Romans. It needs to happen systematically, transformationally, and personally. There's also resources online, including a lock screen for your phone that you can turn every time you click your phone, the scripture memory verse for that week will pop up. All those things are also available online. It's really cool. Can you get the picture that we're really serious about this study and we really believe that if you're serious about it, God's gonna change your life? Just think about this. The same book that has changed hundreds of thousands of lives in centuries past, the same Holy Spirit who wrote the book and has done that transforming work is still at work in the book of Romans. These great men and women were not great men and women in and of themselves. They were great men and women that we looked to because they believed God for the things that he had promised. And you can do the same thing. (laughs) You can have the same transformed heart and life. You can be used in the same amazing, eternal ways. Let God, just imagine if you really were serious and let God do his work in you through this study. Imagine if revival came to your heart. Imagine if revival came to your family. Imagine if revival came to this church and to our community because we together said, God, we want to know you and we're here. I'm dreaming big dreams. I'm so excited. So let me pray real quick. We're going to spend a little bit of time in our central passage today, and then we're going to respond and go. But let me pray that God would do great things. Lord, we just thank you for your word and for this precious treasure that is Romans. Lord, we thank you. Lord, thank you for your gospel. And Lord, it is your power to save and transform. And I pray, God, that in this study, in these next weeks, that all of us in a personal way would have a heart that is hungry for you. And Lord, that we would want to know you and God, that you would show yourself to us. And that Lord, we would live in right relationship with you. And that we would be surrendered to you for what you are doing in this world. Holy Spirit, we ask all of this be done by you because we don't have the power ourselves, And so we just pray that this would happen for your glory. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray.
Amen. This morning, we're going to be in a very short passage, and it's designed that way because most of our day is an introduction. But Romans chapter 1 this morning, verses 1 to 6, excuse me, 1 to 17. I've titled this in your guide, Introduction Gospel Celebration. Again, it's page 4. You can write your sermon notes. Paul, in this section of Romans, just so you know how it's designed, Paul writes an introduction, like most of his letters, he writes an introduction. Here, this is the introduction to his letter, right? He's going to tell you the thesis of his book. Hey, guys. Hey, Romans. Here's where I'm going. That's 1 to 17. Then he spends the rest of the book actually unpacking what he, where he says he's going to go, unpacking his thesis like any good research paper. <laughs> and then he's going to, at the very end of the book, close it out, 15 and 16. He's going to say, all right, that was good. Now, this is what I said again. See you later. It's a pretty simple organization. But here in 1 to 17, Paul is making in his introduction, and he's going to state theory, clearly his thesis. Anybody ever written a research paper? Isn't the thesis the hardest part? Golly, it's so hard. I remember that in college. It's like, I would just sit there for hours and just stare at the wall like, oh no, <laughs> this is due in 30 minutes, and I still haven't written my thesis. <laughs> Anyway, this morning we're going to be talking about the thesis, and it's wonderful. Um, the Church of Rome was started uh, probably by Jews. We don't really know a, a ton about it, but probably by Jews on the day of Pentecost, when there were people from all over the world that had gathered there at the day of Pentecost, and they got to hear the gospel as it was preached. You can look at Acts chapter 2 and 3 later if you want to go look at that moment. But we do believe there are people from Rome, Jews from Rome there. Uh, Rome, one of the hugest... Is that, that's not a word. One of the biggest uh, capital centers and, and cities in the world at that time. And we believe that the church started there as people from Rome heard the gospel, repented, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and received the forgiveness of their sins, were baptized, and the church began. Paul wrote this letter, for those of you who like history, you can write it down or you can just listen, around 56 or 57 AD. Uh, he wrote it on his third missionary journey. Uh, Paul took several missionary journeys. You can read about those in the book of Acts as well. But on his third missionary journey, uh, Paul had traveled a great ways, and he was in uh, Greece. He was actually in Corinth. And it was actually in Corinth that Paul wrote this letter to the church that was in Rome. Again, it's just a group of people like us who happen to be in a city called Rome, and that's why they call it Romans. All right? So he's writing this letter to Christian people, to a Christian church, located in Rome. He sent the letter from Corinth with, a, with a, a group of women who had served the church faithfully there, and he sent it to the church of Rome there. Paul, Paul actually was planning to, to go to Rome. Um, we know that from Corinth, Paul's plan was he was, um, Paul was incredibly motivated to get to Gentile people. He wanted to preach the gospel in places where the gospel was not known, where Christ had not been preached. He was motivated to get to people, non-Jewish people because he knew God cared for them. And his plan was actually to go from, from Greece, from Corinth, to Jerusalem. He was going to take the money to the Jews who were suffering that he had collected from Gentile churches to help them out. And from Jerusalem, we know he planned to go to Rome, and then he planned to go to Spain. Now, what we learn in history is Paul didn't make it the way he thought he was going to make it. Well, he did end up back in Rome, but he ended up in Rome um, in chains, Paul had been arrested, 
for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had been deemed a threat to the empire. And for his very faith and for his work spreading the gospel, Paul actually had been put into chains. And later he would die for his faith. He didn't get to Rome in the way he thought. At the beginning here, we're going to see he did really want to go to Rome, but he didn't dream, I don't think, that he would get there in the way that he got there, especially after all the huge shipwreck, which if you know the book of Acts, you know what happened. But Rome was very much in Paul's heart because Paul wanted them to know the gospel and wanted them to be a thriving gospel church so much that he wanted to go see them. Now, the thesis of Romans is in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Here, Paul says this. You can look at it in your scripture. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. One more time, I want to read you the thesis of the whole book of Romans. Verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In each of these sections in the book of Romans, I can't, because of time, teach in detail every single verse. And so I'm gonna try my best to teach thought by thought because you're spending time in the word each day and you're also digging deeper in small groups. But if I had to say this, what, what the theme of verses one to 17 is, and I want you to write this down, okay? The central theme of Paul's opening passage, including his thesis here in 16 and 17 is this, that we should love the gospel. Paul opens with just, if you ever thrown a party for somebody, Paul's throwing a party for the gospel here. I mean, it's like, he opens a book and he's just like, hey guys, in case you didn't know, the gospel is really, really great. I love the gospel and you should love it too. I love, 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 love this news of what God has done for us in Jesus. Oh, I love the gospel and church of Rome, Church of ICC, church in Memphis, church around the world, wherever you're listening, you should love the gospel too. Paul's just declaring, he's he's sending out an invitation. He's got your name on it, okay? Come to the party. Dear so-and-so, come to the party. Come celebrate with me. Come see how great this is gonna be. Realize that this gospel is awesome. You can laugh, it's okay. I'm weird. Um, it's awesome. It's great. Like, I can't get over it. And Paul's saying, above anything else in my life, I'm telling you this, I will never, ever, 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 ever be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. It is everything to me. And it should be to you too. That's what Paul wants you to see in these first 17 verses. 
you should love the gospel. Now, it gives us a couple of reasons why, and I just want to point these out really quickly this morning. There's four basic reasons why he says that we should love the gospel. And you can write all of these down as you're going to be unpacking them later this week in your time in the Word and also in your small groups. The first one I want you to see is from verses 1 to 6. And it's this. We should love the gospel because the gospel is the good news. Everybody say, take your hands like this. You're going to think it's cheesy. Take your hands, hold them up to your mouth like this. Imagine you're a paper boy back in the 1920s selling newspapers, right? And you want to get the news out there. Hear it, hear it, hear all about it. All right, just look at your neighbor with your mouth like this. Everybody, come on, you're not too good for this. Put your mouth, hands up by your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, good news. You guys are great paper boys. <laughs> That's great. You know, the gospel in Greek literally means you and It literally means good news. It's an announcement of something great that has happened. That's what the gospel means. When we say gospel, whenever you hear gospel church, it just means good news church. Great news church. Great news Bible study. You know, when I say we need the gospel, we need the great news. But great news has to relate to something. It's got to be about something. And the great news of the gospel is this. What God has done for us in Jesus to bring us back into relationship with God. That's the first reason you need to love the gospel. Because it is the good news of what God has done for you in Jesus to bring you and all who would believe back into relationship with God. Look at verses one to six with me really quick. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the, what? Gospel, the good news of God. Here he's gonna tell you what it is, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is laying out here the essentials of the gospel. And what he's saying is, God, hey, 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 Jesus is legit. He's legit, man. You want to know what it takes to be saved? You want to know what it looks like to have a relationship with God? I would tell you. Let me tell you the great news. The great news is that God has done everything from start to finish to give you a relationship with him. And he's done it in one appointed way. There's only one way to have a relationship with God. And God wants us to know this great news. The great news is it doesn't depend on you and it doesn't depend on me. There's nothing you could do to earn it. There's nothing you could do to deserve it. It's all about what God has done for you. And how has he done it? What he says here in the first verses is he's done it. It's been forever this way. In the Old Testament, it says there were prophets that prophesied this was coming. It's not like this is a plan B, guys. God doesn't have plan Bs. From the beginning, there's only one way that God wanted us to have a relationship with him and that he knew that we, only one way that we could have a relationship with him. From the beginning of time, this is all about God now. This has been prophesied, he says, through the Holy Scriptures. From the beginning, this has always been the way. And it's always been through Jesus. 
That's the great news. What Jesus has done opens the way for us to have a relationship with God. In his life, in his death for sinners and for sin, in his burial and triumphant resurrection from the grave, there is great news for you today. And it's that Jesus has accomplished all that is needed to put you back into a relationship with God. Somebody should say, praise God. Amen. That's great news. Paul's helping us to see this didn't start with you. He said, no, this starts with God. This is a gospel of God. Before you go thinking that the gospel is all about you, no, 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 no. The gospel is about God. And it's not your idea. Before you were born, God was doing this. Before Adam and Eve fell, God was doing this. This is all about God. And it's God making this announcement and it's God doing the action. He's saying God has done this and he's done it through Jesus. That's why he points out in verse three, he says, concerning his son. And then he lists two qualifications. He was descended from David according to the flesh. This is important. Second uh, Samuel seven, eight to 16. You can look at it later. But God promises to David that through David would come a king whose reign did not end. The people of God had been broken. The, the nation of Israel had been in great trouble for some time. And the question was, who's going to come to fix this mess? And God said, there's gonna, there's gonna be one. He revealed to David, there's going to be one coming. And it's gonna come through your line. And his reign will have no end. He will be prince of peace and he will rule his people with justice and with equity he will make things right with us forever and Paul says here's the great news of the gospel Jesus has come and he was descended what's it say verse 3 from David according to the flesh in other words check mark he meets the qualification he is the promised messiah He's the one who all the hopes of Israel and all the hopes of our heart had been in. There's only one and people have been waiting for him forever. When is he going to come? And Paul says, here's the good news, he's come. He meets the qualifications. And secondly, it says that he was declared to be, verse four, the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Anybody ever seen a dead person raised? Anybody? Anybody? giving you one last chance. This will be a great story. Okay, I haven't seen it either. Jesus Christ, though, raised from the dead by the spirit of power. It validated, if Jesus hadn't been raised, our faith is in vain. But his resurrection from the dead, which he had prophesied, validated everything that he said about himself. It proved that he is the one who is able to bring you back to God. He is able, friends. Isn't that good news? He meets the qualifications. He is the Messiah and he is able, validated by his resurrection from the dead. This is the gospel. It's the good news of what Jesus has done to put you into right relationship with God. And that's why verse five, he says, through whom we have received grace. Anybody in the room want grace this morning? Anybody in the room feel like you need something that you can't give yourself? Anybody feel like there's something that you need that you don't deserve from God? Let me tell you how it comes. It comes through the gospel. Grace comes through what God has done in Jesus Christ. 
It's the only way it comes, but it is available. And he says, we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. There's something required from you in the gospel, and it's this. You must obey God chiefly by putting your faith in him. And those who have their faith in him do obey God. That's how you receive the gospel. So why do we love the gospel? First, because it's the good news of what God has done to put you back in relationship with him. And that's the best. Secondly, we love the gospel of this. Paul says we love it because it is the eternally appointed means of God's power to save and transform our lives. We love the gospel because it is the eternally appointed means of God's power to save and transform our lives. Look down again at the thesis, verse 16. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let me ask you this. When I say God's power, what do you typically think of? When I say, tell me, give me an example of the power of God at work. If I ask you that question, give me an example of the power of God at work. Many of us, including myself, would say something like this. Oh, well, he parted the Red Sea. He turned water into wine. He touched a leprous guy full of sores and he was healed. He raised Jesus from the dead. Powerful. We think of miracle stories, right? Everybody knows a miracle story. That's, the, that's what we think about, miracle stories. Well, let me tell you this. Paul says God is powerful. He wouldn't deny that. And he wouldn't deny that God could do miracles. But let me tell you what Paul says here. He says, God does have powerful, does have power, and he does have the means to work in your life. But let me tell you how he does it. The means of God's power, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The power of God that took a sea and parted it, the power of God that took a leprous man and healed it, the power of God that took water, turned it into wine, the power of God that raised a dead man from the grave is the same power of God that is now available and at work in your life if you believe But the power, the means of that power is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to look to some miracle outside of this that God is able, he's powerful to work in your life through the good news of what Jesus has done for you. Are you needing power today? Do you feel like you need power today for something? Are you waiting for some future miracle? Let me, let me tell you this. The greatest power of God is demonstrated in that he is willing, he is able to change your dead heart and bring it back to life. And he's able to do this. The means he's appointed is through the good news of what Jesus has done for you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is. It is the power of God for salvation. It's the power to save us and it's the power to transform us to all who believe. They're the condition that you've got to believe that it is powerful enough to do this, that he can do it and he's done it through what Jesus has done in his life, death, and resurrection for you. You see why this is so important? 
why you should love it, because it is the means of God's power. He says, for from it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith and for faith. Again, God-centered. It is righteous in what he gives us. It is righteous in the way that he's done it through the cross of Jesus. He righteously makes people righteous. That's what he's saying. And it's all about faith. It started by faith and it continues by faith. He quotes here Habakkuk 2.4, which is a question. How is God going to deal with a wicked, sinful people and at the same time show himself faithful to fulfill his promises of love and commitment to them. How is this going to happen? That your sin is dealt with and his grace is given to you. How is that going to happen? Paul says it happens through the gospel. It is the power of God. Number three, why is it that we should love the gospel? We should love it because the gospel unites and saves all people who believe in him. Hang with me just for a few more minutes because this is important. After Paul gets through in the first part of Romans proclaiming the gospel to us, that it is the good news that makes us right with God through Christ and what he's done, he goes into a very personal note here. Verses 7 to 16. I want you to look at it in more detail later. But Paul's addressing the church of Romans and he's showing that the gospel actually unites us together as with all who believe. In verse 8, he says, you know what? I'm so thankful for you. He shows that he cares and he's concerned for the church. He wants them to know that he cares. This is what the gospel does. It brings care between those who believe. Verse 9 and 10, he says, I'm praying for you. He's saying that the gospel unites us in a way that we want each other's success. We want to stand by each other and build each other up. Verse 11 and 12 Paul says, I long to see you. He wants to be with them. The gospel puts us in a relationship. Listen, I like being with you guys. I know that's kind of funny, you know? They use language like, I long for you, but that's the way Christians should feel about each other. We love to be with one another. Paul longs to be with the church of Rome. And he says he longs for this, that they might he might impart some spiritual gift to strengthen them. That is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Now, spiritual gift here is different than the word used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or even the word used in Romans chapter 12 to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Rather, he's saying, in general, we have the gift to be able to encourage one another in the faith. And then in verse 13 and 14, Paul says, I've wanted to come to you for some time to reap a harvest among you. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. In other words, what he's saying is the gospel is for all people who will believe. It doesn't matter if you lived in the gated community of Germantown or the ghettos of North Memphis. It doesn't matter if you wear skinny jeans and plaid shirts or baggy pants and wife beaters. It doesn't matter if you were born as an atheist in China or a Muslim in Syria or an educated guy in Western Europe or a good Southern boy or girl here in Southern USA. It does not matter who you are, what your credentials are before this moment. All that matters is will you believe 
and what God has done for you in Christ. And if you believe, listen, this gospel is not for segments of groups of people with certain qualifications or barriers. The gospel doesn't have any barriers. It's available. God's power is available to all who will receive and believe, including you. There ain't nothing that can stop you from being changed by God. The only thing that could stop you is your unwillingness to believe and surrender your heart and life to him. But the gospel's for everyone. And that's why Paul says, I'm obligated to everyone. I wanna close with a fourth point this morning and then Robbie's gonna come as we transition in response. Why is it that we should love the gospel? The fourth thing and the final thing I want you to see is this. Paul's trying to get them to see. He said, I'm eager to preach this to you who are in Rome, to reap some spiritual harvest from you because the gospel is the foundation, motivation, and joy of our lives. The foundation, the motivation, and the joy of our lives. Verse 15 I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. (laughs) You stop and think about it for a second. Aren't these people Christians? Paul says he's eager to preach it to all these Gentiles and barbarians, these lost people around the world that need to know that he what God has done in Jesus. But he says, I'm eager also for you guys who are in Rome. Paul, uh, Paul, uh, 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 don't you know that we're Christians? We've already been saved. What do you, why are you gonna preach the gospel to us? Here's why. Because the gospel is not just about your salvation. The gospel is the message that you need to hear for your life. You never get to a point where the gospel is old news. Something you've already mastered, something you've already gotten beyond. What Paul says is that the gospel is your life. That if it were not for this news, if this were not true on a daily basis for you, you would be a person most to be pitied, without hope, without joy, without peace, without purpose, no relationship with God if this were not true. Therefore, we never get beyond the gospel. That's why he says, I'm not ashamed of it. (laughs) There's nothing that can make me disappointed in this message. There's nothing that can stop me from sharing this with you, even you who are growing as Christians. There's nothing that can make me disappointed by what I'm going to say to you because the gospel is the power in which God wants to work in your heart and in your life. It's your foundation. And not only that, it should be your motivation and joy. Your life is not about you, friends. It's about God. God created you to know God. (laughs) And God created you to live for him. At the end of the day, I'm gonna be under the ground and you will be too. People will forget us within 150 years. God is the center of this world. He is the center of your life. He cares about you and you are valuable to him. And so I'm not trying to diminish that, but ultimately your life is about God and this world is about God. And the gospel provides a motivation for us to learn to live as God has designed it for him, 
for his glory among all people. And I pray that from this series, some of you might be radically changed and even some of you go to the furthest ends of the earth for his glory so that all people can know what we know about what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. Do you, do you, we're done. <laughs> but do you hear it? Do you sense it? We should love the gospel. We should love the gospel. The question for you this morning is, do you love the gospel? There's gonna be some questions on the screen as Robbie comes. I'm available here if you need me, but I want you to answer these questions this morning. Do you desire and believe that God can save and transform your life? Do you desire to have your heart centered and satisfied in God and God alone? And this morning, do you desire to grow in your understanding and in your love for the gospel? God's power is at work through what he's done in Jesus Christ. It's gonna be an awesome adventure in these next weeks ahead, but it starts here by asking the question, do I even want this? Do we even believe that God can do this? That's where you need to spend your time this morning. As we stand, everyone stand. And as we respond this morning, I'm here if you need me. There's prayer counselors coming to the front. If you wanna make a decision to put your faith in Christ, he can change your life. You come this morning. If you wanna join this church, you wanna be baptized, any other decision, or if you just need to pray with some people, they're coming now. Give your heart to the Lord and ask that your life would be centered and satisfied in him. Believe him today. He is able.